Good morning and welcome to Giving Back on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. You're listening to Elizabeth Hart. And today we are going to be speaking with a lovely lady named Alyssa about her experience with Huntington's. And we are going to be discussing our charity of the month, the Huntington's New South Wales and ACT, and what you can do to support them and how they've affected her life and the lives of those affected with Huntington's as well. So welcome to the show. It is the 19th of October, 10.03 a.m. Traffic is starting to pick up a little bit because people are out and about. Finally, it is so exciting. I went out for a coffee this weekend and I published a book like a week and a half ago and I got to drop it off at a few bookstores in person and it was great. I would like to introduce you to Alyssa. Alyssa, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing really well today. I thank you for being on the show because of course I like I said we've chatted a little bit I've heard a little bit about your story and I think it's really really worth telling to make people realize like how Huntington's a not really well-known disease Hmm. it really impacts the people that have it and the lives of the people around them and their community so would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself first yeah yeah of course so uh, I'm Elisa. Hello, everyone. I've uh, been caring for my mum who has Huntington's um, oh, about 10 years now. She started displaying symptoms when I was about 16 and um, very early symptoms, so jerkiness, mood swings. So I was aware of it, but I, I couldn't really do much as a 16-year-old to help. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of confusion for me as to what was happening and what to expect. Did she know that she had it Yes. prior so, to that? Yes. So my grandfather had it as well. Oh, okay. Um, and she knew that it was genetic and she'd had the Huntington's genetic testing done in around 2000, 2001. Okay. So she was aware that... She had the active gene, but it's a big difference between knowing, you know, it might happen someday or it will happen someday and actually starting to see those symptoms in yourself yeah. and accept that. So you've, you were her primary carer then for, you know, well, I guess it's like 14 years now since you were 16. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that affect you growing up? Like, how do you think that that changed your life? And would you say that that's the average story for someone who has a family member with Huntington's? Absolutely, yes. So I was very lucky that I was able to complete university while caring, but it was very difficult for me. And so much of, of what I did was for mum. So I had to take her to appointments, keep up to date with medications, Uh, convince her to take her medications plus you know sort of smooth things over with family or friends who um, she would not necessarily insult but you know offend offend distance (laughs) as as mood swings and and uh, paranoia happened okay Um, and you know I I had no personal life you know I did not get to see my friends very often and I couldn't really go out I couldn't go away for a weekend really or anything like that so back then there wasn't a lot of support no no mum got very sick when I was 20 Um, she had a psychotic break and ran away into the bush she was missing for two days and the SES found her which was fantastic but It was a very surreal experience because it was sort of just me and my aunt um, sitting down with the police and all these helicopters start coming over (laughs) and, you know, they're sort of asking questions, you know, does she have any identifying marks, tattoos, scars that we could use to identify her? And I had to sign permission to put her photo on Facebook. Yeah. um, there were questions of if the media gets wind of this, there might be media outside. If they did find a body, did I want to 
select someone to identify it for me. And that's very confronting for someone in their 20s. That's horrifying, yeah. And you just sort of push through it. You have to. You can't break. You just have to keep going, which I think so many carers, that's just what they have to do, mm. you know. There's no real question of can I handle this? You just go, okay, well, this is what I have. This is what I have to work with and just go yeah. and do it. One of the questions I've heard most is, oh, I just don't know how you do it. And I'm like, what choice do I have? I hear that a lot. And yes, there's, there's <laughs> very little choice and you don't really realise how hard it is until you're doing it. Yeah. But once you're caring that's it like you just have to go okay well this is very difficult um you know and go okay well what can I do to make it work for me or you know how can I make this situation better in some way and when she started showing symptoms and stuff did it progress quickly like did it was there like a you know bell curve to the to the disease or does it just show up randomly throughout year like how quickly does this disease progress once it starts progressing yeah so it's um, relatively slow so it worsens over say 15 years but mum's always been so she would sort of get a certain set of symptoms and then plateau for a while and everything would be okay or at least manageable and then she'd worsen again. Okay. Um, so whenever she worsened, it was usually around the psychotic symptoms. So she had a lot of um, paranoia, hallucinations. Um, you know, she'd dream conversations that didn't happen. People were dead who weren't actually dead. It was very common. Wow. Um, you know, so a- any time she had to have a medication change, she'd have to go back to hospital. That was usually a three-month period um, where I had to liaise with the doctors. They didn't really understand Huntington's. They tried, but they they didn't really understand Huntington's. The Westmead Clinic would often help. They'd ring in and and help. But it was very much a, oh, we don't know what medication might work, so we're just going to try and see what happens. So there was a lot of... of, um, throwing everything at it to see what (laughs) sticks you have to do it one at a time as well and then you have to wait for it to wear off it'd be a long process exactly exactly and you know when she's not on her medication she's quite sick she's very very sick so there was a period for example when she thought everyone was trying to kill her and that I was an alien so you know she had to be in the um, locked wards because she'd try and run away or she'd oh, wow. try and hurt herself. Um, she'd bang her head against walls, things like that. So um, oh, I keep hitting the desk. Um, I know for those of you who didn't get to hear the interview with Lewis Kaplan from Huntington's New South Wales a few weeks ago, it is available on the website if you would like to go listen to it. But one of the things that he mentioned is that it's not just a mental disease. There's also the physical aspect mm-hmm. of it. And you're losing control of your mind, your body, your personality, all of these things. But each person is kind of different. So your mother sounds like it's mostly the psychological aspect of things. Is That's not the story for everyone. Correct. 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 You, know, every, you know, there might be, say, 20 typical symptoms for Huntington's. And someone might get, say, six or seven. But it could be any one of those. Okay. So it's very different for each person. Um, For example, my grandfather, who had Huntington's, he had very physical symptoms. He had a lot of the physical tics, um, very unsteady walking, you know, paranoia as well, Um, very bad slurred speech. Okay. Whereas my mum, it's only until very recently she's had more physical symptoms. So for her, it's been the mental and cognitive symptoms, so the decline in her ability to reason, um, handle conversations, her memory, things like that. Do you think that she was aware of her decline as it was happening? Like, I think that would be one thing that would upset me most is to watch Mm. myself lose the ability to be myself. But at the same time, like with dementia and stuff, they don't always realize that they have dementia. 
so it's really only affecting the people around them. Yeah. Did was she cognitively aware of what was happening to her, or was it just that oh, she was, was aware. her new normal? Yeah, no, she was aware. She, you know, it it's painful to watch um, as her daughter and and as a carer that she knew so she'd try and write things down and you could see halfway through she'd have lost the train of thought and her writing gets bigger and bigger and more distressed because she can't remember or you know she she'd have to double check because she thought something was happening but maybe it wasn't happening so she'd have Mm -hmm. to write notes everywhere her physicality of course you know she was aware that she was knocking things over dropping things she wasn't very good at judging her own strength. Um, you know, so she was definitely aware of that and she struggled with that for quite a while until more recently when her cognitive abilities declined a bit more and she became less aware of what she was losing. Okay. Let's take a quick break for some housekeeping and promos. And then... Uh, yeah, I would love to talk a little bit more about your personal uh, journey with Huntington's when we get back. Um, so just to remind everyone, our charity drive for this month is Huntington's New South Wales, New South Wales ACT. <laughs> I can speak. You'd think for someone with a radio show, I'd speak better, but no, here we are. Um, if you would like the link to that, you can either search for um huntington's giving back on mycause.com.au or you can go to my website which is givingbackrbm.com and i've got a link from there and you can go and for every five dollars that you donate you're going into the draw for a lovely lovely dried arrangement from bespoke blooms up here in blackheath and yes you have until the 31st of october to donate so here are some promos Are you looking for free information on phones, tablets, apps or accessories that might be suitable for seniors or people with a disability? Then call Accessible Telecoms 1800 442 300. That's 1800 442 300. Hi, I'm Dr Nick Coatsworth, Infectious Diseases Physician. Over 7 million Australians have taken the next step and received a COVID-19 vaccine. Thousands of GPs and vaccination clinics are currently providing services across the country. It's free, simple and the best way to protect ourselves and our community from COVID-19. Remember, we're not safe until we're all safe. To find out when it's your turn, visit australia.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra.
and welcome back to Giving Back on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. Once again, we're speaking with Alyssa. Alyssa? Alyssa. 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 Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll say it's an American to Australian translation issue. So, Alyssa. Um, now, one of the things that I found so intimidating about Huntington's when I was speaking with Lewis was the fact that it's genetic. So you have a 50-50 chance of getting that gene from your parents. Mm-hmm. And you don't know whether or not you've got it until either you get tested or you start developing symptoms. Yes. And you just had to spend 14 years taking care of someone with this disease, watching them deteriorate, knowing that that 50-50 could be you in the future. Mm. That is heartbreaking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what word to use because I'm just like, that's... There's always the debate, like, do you get tested? Do you not get tested? Does it help if you get tested? Does it make you feel better if you get tested? What if it's yes? What if it's no? Should I have kids? Should I not? Like, there's all of these things that are just... You're 16 years old growing up knowing that this is your future. That caring for this person is your future, sorry. And then having to plan your life around that and then hope that that's not you. And (laughs) it's so overwhelming. I don't know how I would cope with that. How did you do it? You know, it's funny to say, but it's another one of those things where you're just like, okay, this is, this is part of it. This is part of what I have to deal with. And you just kind of have to accept that. You know, I mean, me getting upset won't change yeah. that. I mean, there's certainly moments where you want to throw a tantrum and be like, this is not fair. Rightfully so. Of course, of course. And I'm sure there's moments where I've, I've just been like, you know, no, I'm going to be petty today and be like mean. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not being nice today. <laughs> but for me, I mean, I have always intended to get tested. Um, I like to know, like I'm, I'm, you know, a very organized person. And for me, I think knowing would just be better than not knowing. Okay. Sheer curiosity as well. But I've always said that I won't get tested while I'm caring for mum because there's no way that I can, you know, sort of mentally deal with Bugs. caring for her. Yeah. Exactly. And also getting the test done, you know. And it is, you know, I know, I know quite a few people who have said they don't want the test done. They don't want to know. And that's fair enough. You know, I, f- I fully yeah. understand that, you know, it's a very personal choice whether or not to get tested. And it's something that can change your whole outlook on your future and how you plan things, how, you know, you react to certain things. So, you know, it is, it is a very contentious thing, I think, but for me, I'd prefer to know in the future. And your mum has just now gone into full-time care, correct? Correct. So she... It was quite the production uh, in 2019, 2020, where she um, went in for a medication change and it was not working well. And she would sort of, she'd been in there for over three months, um, actually at Katoomba Hospital, who they're fantastic. They, they, you know, kept me updated all the time. They're so good. And, you know, they tried a few different attempts and it wasn't working very well. And they sort of said, well, um, how about we trial her at home and see what happens? And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll try that. But she was home for about two weeks and it was very clear that it was not working. Mm. Um, and, you know, she, she managed to um, punch a hole in the wall oh. uh, when she was upset one time. And I sort of was like, no, that's, you know, that's too dangerous that's she's gonna get hurt you know she's gonna get hurt she's gonna hurt someone else by accident um and she never lashed out at me but it was more I got in the way of things that were in the way fair enough 
Um, so she went back into hospital and they took her down to St. Joseph's down mm. at Auburn, which has a Huntington's um, ward down there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're also, the doctors who go to the Westmead Clinic, they also do this ward. And so they know mum and have known me for years. Um, and they're very good with the medications and they did work out a lot of issues. Okay. But it was still quite obvious that she needed 24-7 care. Yeah. And I just couldn't do that. No. So, you know, she was also considered um, a flight risk because she did tend to run away. <laughs> And so we had to find somewhere that would take a Huntington's patient. So a lot of places don't take them. Um, Is that just because of a lack of familiarity or because of all of the the variety of issues? um, So, well, it's both a lack of, like they just, they don't understand it. And often um, people with Huntington's can be quite aggressive. um, And it's one of those things that they do actually tend to get less aggressive as time goes on but you know there's this fear that they'll hurt somebody or themselves by accident Um, but also a lot of them just don't have the knowledge and they'll say that they you know they'll go oh Huntington's is too hard or you know it's too difficult which is fair enough Um, or they might take uh, Huntington's patients but they only take say one or two they won't take more so that's also a concern Um, and that's how I got more in touch with Huntington's New South Wales Mm. ACT because they have a specialist NDIS coordinator, Giselle, who's, you know, absolute godsend. She's amazing. Um, That woman needs, you know, an award, a massage, a holiday, everything. (laughs) We'll try and arrange that. Yeah. (laughs) So she, she was fantastic and she worked with me to find a place that suited mum and to be fair, I like I, I, she did an amazing job. I gave her, I was like, I wanted to have her own room and I wanted to have a garden. And, you know, it was more me kind of going all like, you know, upset and going, no, no, it's got to be, you know, right. If it's not home, it's got to be comfortable. Yeah. Of course. That's so, lovely though. It's, <laughs> well, like, if you think about it, like it, there's no way, okay, I will 100% validate your choice to put your mum where she needs to be, right? No one is required, and this is going to sound a bit weird from someone with a show called Giving Back. Um, (laughs) No one is required to sacrifice their life Mm. to help someone else. You're not required, right? Mm. If that's your choice, that's your choice. If you have other options and you take them, fantastic. Like no one should be judged for doing what they have to do in their life. Mm. to make their own life the way they need it to be or to be happy or content or safe uh, to live a life. If you spent from 16 to 30 taking care of someone who is incredibly high needs, that's a large chunk of your life. Like you have every right to be like, no, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I need help. You're like, we need to do this. So for you to do that, even knowing that, and knowing that you're making the right choice, there's always still that little bit of guilt. Mm. You're like, oh, I should just do it. Oh, she, but this is her home. There's like a million yeah. things that everyone tells themselves. Like my parents just, um, my grandmother just passed and she had dementia along with some other things. And I heard the stories from my parents trying to take care of her. And there's, they did, they ended up trying to put her in a home and doing all these things. And even when you know it's the right thing to do, your heart still Mm. hurts a little bit absolutely and there's that concern of or at least for me was was I overreacting you know maybe I was just tired I wasn't sleeping very well you know before mum had to go into hospital and I was like no maybe I was just tired maybe I was you know burnt out but then I had to sort of sit and go well there was a reason I was tired and burnt mm. out and there was a reason I was even in my if that letter. is the reason that's enough of a reason <laughs> exactly and it's you know it it can be said as well that it it wasn't an easy choice to make in the sense of even just putting mum into a disability home I mean I had to provide statements for the NDIS as to why I couldn't care anymore you know and I I had to be very firm and so it's a it was a long process of me having to kind of go no this is what I've chosen i have to stick with this yeah 
and Giselle was fantastic with that as well. Like she, she listened to me kind of go back and forth and, you know, there were concerns as to if we could find somewhere that was even close enough to me that I could visit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Giselle found a place that was actually only five minutes from where my mum grew up. Oh. And it has a big garden and amazing staff. And, you know, Giselle helped with the whole process and, and Huntington's New South Wales ACT helped, you know, they made everything smooth for me, which was really helpful after, you know, that whole process and, and so kind you of... You were doing it on your own for long enough. It's, it's good that someone was able to help. It was quite funny the first time because I'm, I'm just so used to filling in the forms and signing the forms and, you know, sometimes having to Google what they mean because it's in, you know, legalese. Mm. Um, and then Giselle was like, oh, no, 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 I do it. I was like, oh, right, you do it now. Okay, sure. So I don't have to be in control? Oh, my gosh. Yes, so all, all I had to do was sign it. And I was like, really, that's it? Like, that's, that's all I have to do? Okay, cool. So it was very different experience for me, you know. And, I mean, she's, she's in care, but I still care for her. Yeah. And I still do, you know, I still visit and I ring every day and, you know, I, I check in on her and um, do some of her shopping for her. So, you know, she's, it's not like I'm completely hands off, but no. it was enough because I, I was just so burnt out. And it's, yeah, it, it does. It sounds exhausting. So I can't even, yeah. Well, like we were commenting on it earlier. I just like, I can't imagine like I think that's why telling your story is so important is because people see Huntington's like I said Mm. in one place ever like most of the people who've (laughs) ever heard of Huntington's are like oh that's what that doctor had on house (laughs) and it's like okay well first off that show focused more on whether or not she was going to get tested than it did on the actual disease like you still you say oh I know someone who or I saw someone who had it on tv you still didn't see someone who had it Mm. you saw someone who may have had it or they did the test eventually or whatever. I don't know. But like you didn't see the repercussions of the disease. You didn't see it actually happen. So like, it's not a well-known thing. No, it's, it's quite rare. And it's, you know, when you explain or I suppose give a sort of an explanation and go, it's essentially a combination of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's and schizophrenia and if you think of those three things together so it's not Mm. you just have one it's a mix sorry it's a mix of all three you know and and not even an even mix of all three it could be a different mix of all three for every person exactly exactly so you know it's it's um it is a rare disease and it is very misunderstood or just not understood so you know Anything that brings more awareness to it is fantastic. All right. We're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Huntington, New South Wales, Huntington's New South Wales ACD. Someday, someday I'm going to get it right. <laughs> um, and then we'll talk about the actual programs that they've offered you and how they've helped you and your mother specifically. And then maybe a bit about how we can help them and raise awareness. Marlene Churn is your host on A Little Bit of Everything, and it's just that. Every Monday morning between 9 and 11, Marlene shares great stories. Discover what's happening in the community and beyond. Please stay tuned live to air on 89.1 FM or stream on rbm.org.au with Marlene and enjoy the unfolding day with A Little Bit of Everything.
welcome back to Giving Back on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. Today we are discussing with the lovely Elisa, uh, Huntington's New South Wales ACT. So for anyone just tuning in, Elisa has been taking care of her mum for about 14 years or so, who has Huntington's disease. And she was, it sounded like you had your aunt and maybe some other people, but in general, full-time care, it was you. Yes. Yes. So when did you meet Huntington's New South Wales and uh, how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so it was about 10, 10 years ago, um, thereabouts. And first off, it was just emails. So... Sorry, there's like, a, I can hear it in my head and I'm like, I don't know if it's, there's a buzzing. It might be my phone. Ah, okay, go ahead. Oh, good. Keep talking then, we'll just ignore <laughs> oh, it. Oh, good, we'll ignore it. Uh, so anyway, they had sort of emailed me and were like, we just want to let you know what services are available. Um, and it was usually, it was mainly support services. So support groups for um, the carers of people who had Huntington's. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was purely in person and it was too far from me, but it was good to know that it was there. And, you know, they'd sort of emailed me a few times just checking in, you know, was was everything okay? Did I need anything? Um, So they were very good for that. And even just, you know, occasionally um, linking us in with the different doctors at the Huntington's um, clinic at Westmead. So it was Mm -hmm. just sort of, you know, the Huntington's community tends to be small, so everyone sort of knows everyone. Um, And then later on, it was Giselle who was handling it as the NDS coordinator. Mm. And, you know, as I said, she was fantastic. So I was, for a while there, I was on the phone with her probably once a week, um, many emails. And, you know, we had a few face-to-face meetings as well. And that was very good. And like I said, Giselle's been fantastic. She's supported me at any meeting I needed help with, you know. And there's a lot of meetings. There is a lot of When you're of a meetings. carer, there's a lot of meetings. So, you know, and a couple times there I've had to ring Giselle up and go, oh, they've just told me there's a meeting tomorrow morning. Can can you go as well? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so it's, it is good to have that support there and know that if I need anything, they're there. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent idea to get the NDIS. Like, one of the main problems with the NDIS, as like Lewis and you and I have spoken about passingly, is that they're expecting their NDIS employees to be across mm. a wide variety of illnesses and understand what they need and how they can help and what's available and all of these things. And that is virtually impossible. Doctors don't know every disease they specialize so it's really good that huntington's new south wales has an ndis coordinator who understands huntington's and knows what to ask for and can work with you and you know go to bat for you Mm. to really get you what will help rather than just oh this is generically what's on offer so it's really good yeah and like to give you an idea apart from the actual doctors who specialize in huntington's Giselle was the first person I didn't have to explain Huntington's to in my 14 years caring. Wow. I didn't have to explain it. She knew what it was and she knew what I was referring to when I mentioned certain symptoms and she got it straight away, which had never happened before. Except Even for the that would just be a weight off your shoulders. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Like I'm asking you for help and you can actually help me. Like that's amazing. Yes. And the first time I said something and... I can't even remember what I said now. I just said something offhand and she goes, oh, you mean this? And it was like, yes, she gets it. They get it. Fantastic. So, you know, it's a huge relief to have that support there. Mm. And, you know, that's why I I then got involved with the Walk for Hope, which was their um, fundraiser in September. And because of lockdown, we did it from home as opposed to doing it in the Parramatta Park or whichever section you go to next year hopefully well it's funny I like because my aunt my cousin and I we did it together as team smith (laughs) um very original I know (laughs) and it was so funny because we actually had a lot of fun just walking around our local neighborhood so we'd go out for a walk um, a couple times a week and it was well you know we hadn't done these walks in ages since Mm. you know we're all kids so that was very nice to do 
and uh, you know we did a few sneaky little bushwalks around Katoomba and you know you probably if if anyone's nearby they would have seen me because um, I was wearing a fluoro green. Yeah, I think walk we, we have hope. your picture up on yes. Facebook. <laughs> you could not miss me. You, or, you stop traffic. <laughs> exactly. Or my aunt or my cousin when we're wearing those. You like, you know, everyone could see us. Like, you could see us from outer space. It was fantastic. <laughs> so nice and bright. And um, they did a great job. Allison, who's part of Huntington's New South Wales ACT, uh, worked really hard to get those shirts to us in time because we ordered them a little bit later and Australia Post of course is having conniptions at the moment so everything's slow so you know she rang me up and she goes I'm gonna get it out right now right now I'm, I'm putting it in the bag it's it's going to the post office I was like thank you everyone's keen to support everyone with this one exactly and you know so many of uh, my friends and, and family um, were so generous donating so we raised uh, just over two thousand oh, dollars which was amazing and we weren't expecting it so you know we were kind of thinking oh, a few hundred you know it's you know it's nice and then next thing we know okay so maybe a thousand okay and then it just kept going up <laughs> so it's so fantastic I mean it's you would want to support this like I don't see how you couldn't the people that have it are going through so much and it's a struggle to get the support that you need when there's not a lot of people that have it like the government it's not a priority Mm, no so I mean it's then like you meet the people who are dealing with it like you're absolutely lovely it's like I want to give you money I'm like (laughs) help you help your mom help help Huntington's I'm like let's just let's do something fantastic like it you want to support them make somebody's life a little bit easier if that absolutely um, and you know they rely so much on donations so mm. you know apart from the ndis funding most of their their money comes from their various fundraisings yeah so i believe they also have an op shop in maroubra oh wow haven't been i haven't been yeah, <laughs> yeah i'll have to look that one up um so now i mean you're not full-time caring for your mum now Mm -hmm. are you still going to be involved with Huntington's New South Wales ACT moving forward what what are your personal plans I hope so I I would really like to be involved with them and obviously I mean Team Smith has already made plans to do the next yearly fundraising um, fundraiser (laughs) and um, you know we, we had a joke that uh we'd actually get to do it in person instead of doing it sort of, you know, in our little neighbourhood. But um, I suppose we don't really know what's going to happen yeah, next year. But, um, don't jinx us. We, we had fun either way, so that was good. It got us out walking, which was nice. Mm. So, But, yeah, absolutely, I, I really love to still be involved, you know, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a job that lets me have a bit of flexibility mm. um, and, and, you know, so I can still care and I can still... Um, do some things for Huntington's New South Wales ACT like this. Yes, uh, like I said, I'm I'm so <laughs> pleased because I I was aware when I was asking because I had dealt with the the group to start with when I was like oh I would really like to have a family member or someone come on I was like I knew what a potentially big thing I was asking because it is such a personal story mm. and like I said there's the medical details and the fact that like that's it's your life that you're talking about. It's not some hypothetical. It's, it can be very personal and very emotional. So I was nervous that no one would want to come on, but hopeful that someone would. Cause like I said, I think it's a story that needs to be told. People need to be aware of more than just their own struggles. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for being even willing to come on and share it because I know that the, the Huntington's New South Wales ACT is thankful as well because they're hoping for any sort of, word of mouth any sort of awareness anything and these stories are the ones that get retold Hmm. because they are so impactful it's it's a whole nother form of support frankly for them because it's people who are not just using them but willing to support them and spread the word and help people other people get involved so it's really good oh absolutely yeah and you know i i'm i've always said that i was happy to do whatever was needed to help mm. them as well. I mean, they all, they've all helped me so much. Um, and if talking is, you know, what helps, absolutely. 
So talking good. is often what helps. I yes, think, in a in a large variety of situations. Yes, if you don't talk about it, people don't know. No, and I I also do. Um, I'm a carer representative for Carers New South Wales as well. Okay. Um, and some a lot of that is just telling my story and you know getting it out there about Huntington. So it's it Carers Week this week or was that last week? Last week. Last week. Sorry, guys, we missed. It still counts. It's okay. <laughs> it still counts. Carers Week. Be Close away. enough. <laughs> but all right. Um, is there anything you would like to say to either people out there listening, people with Huntington's, people caring for people with Huntington's, something that you just want them to know with, from your experience? Um, I suppose, I mean, everybody's experience, especially with, with Huntington's, is so very different. But the fact that we're caring and you know we continue caring i think is a big a big thing you know we we do our best and i've never resented being a carer and you know i've never gone oh why did i do that you know so it it for me it wasn't something to be resentful about or to be upset about and it has given me so many tools and and such an ability to handle problems mm. and to do things and that's a good thing you know I mean it it's not all bad it's not all you know doom and gloom and you know I mean especially with Huntington's it's such a progressive disease I suppose it feels like it's always going to be dark but it's not so there are there are those moments where you're like oh yes this is why I'm doing it this is this is fun I love you know so that's that's still there you gotta take your joy where you can find it exactly 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 I think um one thing because most of my experience is just from raising children and all sorts of stuff and with some of them being special needs and everything um but like they always say like oh do you do you resent it do you wish you'd made different choices and it's the same thing where it's I can't say that I resent it, obviously. I love my kids and all of that stuff. But um, on top of that, it's that it made me who I am today. Mm. It made, made me able to handle all of the things that I handle and do mm. all of the things that I do. And it would be along the same lines. It's like, it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And the person you are now is pretty fantastic. So who's to say what you would have been if that wasn't what you'd gone through? Exactly. And, you know, part of that is because it very rarely is a moment where you have a yes, no choice as to whether you're going to be a carer. No, it's not usually a choice at all. (laughs) Exactly. So it's not like you can go, I would have made different choices because Mm. it's not usually that simple. But, you know, it is that part of it's it becomes part of you and it becomes um, a large part of you. And it helps shape your personality and you can't really change that. No. And I think it's also, you know, you can't, you don't get to choose to be here. You can choose not to care. Mm, of course. You can always, I mean, there's people out there and for whatever reasons they made their choices, you can walk away. You can, Absolutely. You know, there's a million actual choices to be made. But for the most part, you end up falling into this role because it's a family member. It's someone that you love. It's not like, oh, I choose to care for my mom. It's like, no, I love my mom and I've been caring for her my entire life emotionally. Now when she needs me, I'm, I mean, it was a choice. Exactly. Like it's, it's not, I don't think it's fair to say to yourself that, oh, you don't have a choice. You did. Everyone has a choice. You chose to stay and care with your whole heart like that that's a choice and I think that should be commended because I mean they say oh you know what choice do I have that kind of stuff but I mean there's lots of parents that don't take care of their kids there's lots of kids that don't take care of their parents there's lots of people out there that aren't able that choose not to and like I said I'm not looking down on those choices there's no good better choice than the other right Mm. um but I think it is important to realize that you know, you deserve some sort of recognition for that because you have given a lot 
And especially with Huntington's, I think the person you've been caring for isn't always able to give you that recognition. So Mm. it needs to come from the people who are really aware of how much you've sacrificed and how much, how much you've done. And then now you are doing for the community and for other people that have it. So thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to play a song. And then I think we're going to wrap up the show today because now I'm all emotional. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Once again, um, thank you to Bendigo Bank for sponsoring our show uh, up here in Katoomba. They are absolutely lovely and they give so much back to the community. They really strive to help out the small groups and they do so much, uh, you know, donations and sponsorship and they put so much effort into everything and get everyone as much help as they possibly can. So thank you very much guys. Um, and then, like I said, Huntington's New South Wales ACT is our charity of the month. So please go on to givingbackrbm.com and check that out and donate some money. So you can win a lovely dried flower arrangement from bespoke blooms in Blackheath. Get back. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's Giving Back on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM.